Hello and welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. My name's Kay. Today we are reading from the Book of Signs by Dr. David Jeremiah and we are going to continue with Heaven's Rewards. The description of Heaven's Rewards. What will the rewards be like? What can we expect? Does the Bible give us any clue? Why, yes, it does. At least five of these rewards are listed for us. The New Testament uses the word crowns to describe them. The victor's crown. First, there is the victor's crown portrayed for us in 1 Corinthians. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Did that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. So um, what I get from that, Teresa, is that here on, here on earth, we, um, the, world, the world thrives for crowns that are perishable, that are going to wear out, lose their... Color, know, their shine. Um, or... That's right, yes. Uh, but we are, we are working for the imperishable crowns that will be with us all of eternity, and I think what he's saying there is is that he disciplines his body and he brings it into subjection so that when he has spoken to others, when he's preached to others, he knows that he is fighting for the things that are imperishable and so that people don't look at him and say, well, mm-hmm. uh... Well, like uh, fasting, when you're fighting with your body. And if I can say anything, Kay, for everyone who's listening, even if you fast a meal a day, even if you just say you eat sugar every single day, if you fast sugar for one day, start out small. And God will take you longer and further But when you fast and you bring your body under subjection, it's such a great feeling when you do get there and get through it. And then your reward, well, God rewards you on earth for that as well. A lot of people who are struggling will fast. God moves. Paul wrote this paragraph to the Christians in the Greek city of Corinth who were very familiar with two great athletic festivals that occurred near them, the Olympic Games and the Isthmian Games. And they were held in Corinth, and many of Paul's readers would have attended the exciting contests. Contestants in the game had to endure very rigorous training for 10 months. The last month was spent in Corinth, with supervised daily workouts in the gymnasium and athletic fields. The race was always a major attraction at the games, and that is the analogy Paul uses to illustrate the faithful Christian life. 
No one would train so hard for so long without intending to win. Yet only one of the athletes would come in first and win the prize. Paul used that analogy to point out that athletes who expect to win must train diligently. The thought, of course, has to do with developing personal discipline. Walking with God demands personal sacrifice and self-control. We need to maintain self-control even in things that are not necessarily evil, but which can dilute our full devotion to God. In an age of luxury like ours, these words have real significance for serious servants for serious servants of Jesus Christ. If we want to win an award, we have to say no to some things so we can say yes to other things that are more pleasing to God. Remember, Paul was comparing us to athletes who live under strict training so they can be effective in their pursuits. When runners are in training, they exercise when they would rather be resting. They eat a balanced meal when they would rather have rich desserts. (laughs) They get up early when they'd rather stay in bed. They control their desires rather than being controlled by their desires. In this book, No Excuses, The Power of Self-Discipline, Brian Tracy wrote about the time he ran into M.R. Kottmeyer, a noted writer of motivation and success literature. Tracy seized the opportunity to ask Kottmeyer of all the thousand success principles that you have discovered, which do you think is the most important? Kottmeyer smiled and replied without hesitation. The most important success principle of all was stated by Albert Hubbard, one of the most prolific writers in American history at the beginning of the 20th century. He said, self-discipline is the ability to do what you should do when you should do it, whether you feel like it or not. And that just brings me to tonight. I had a really bad day and I almost called you and said, Kay, I can't. I just can't. And I was really blessed when you came. And I appreciate your prayers. And I would have missed the blessings that we had tonight if I would have done that. But I was really close to doing that. Yeah, get that. Yeah, that discipline thing. Yeah. So I had a day like that on Monday. I've been really faithful about going to the mall. And walking walking around the mall. (laughs) That's what you do in your 60s. See all these old people out in the mall. Oh my gosh, just walking. I would just crack up as I'm walking out there with them. I'm thinking, uh-huh. hey, I'm hey. their age too. I'm making some great friends out there. That I am. Probably people that really don't get to have a lot of conversation, you know. That's true so, too. Um, but just to think about that, I'm going to write this down on a card and I'm going to put it on my mirror. Just think about the self-discipline as the ability to do what you should do when you should do it, whether you feel like it or not. And I allowed myself to talk myself out of going and walking. Yeah, I went home and I pouted. Did you? I did. I but wa- you walked two miles the next day. I, oh, yeah, I did. I got back up and went at it. Oh, and yeah. you doubled it. Yeah, I did double it. So that's yeah. good, though. Yeah. See, you did so, that. You didn't um, stay down long. Well, good. And I'm glad that I didn't. And, you know, I'm going to encourage encourage you. Don't let it keep you down long. If, if you do. I mean, it just... 
believe me, I beat myself up then because I was mad at myself that I, I didn't go. It would have made me feel a whole lot better if I would have went and done it instead of going home and feeling sorry for myself. And what, what was you going through? Why didn't I, you do it? Th- th- uh, I just had a day at work. Oh, like, like okay. You had. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I was going to just, yeah, I just, you know. You wanted to sit home and crawl up in a ball and cry instead of going and doing what made you feel good. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. But with self-discipline, whether you feel like it or not. That's right. <laughs> oh. Kottmeyer went on to say that without self-discipline, the other 999 principles don't work. But with self-discipline, they all do. It's important to remember that self-control depends on spirit control. Our own determination needs but resting by grace. So we have to depend on God to strengthen us in our resolutions to live disciplined lives. Titus says the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord will help us, but we will have to do our part too. It's surely worth it for everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Amen again. Amen again. That was the first crown. Well, okay, the second one is the crown of rejoicing. The next crown is the crown of rejoicing mentioned in first. Thessalonians 2.19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? This is the crown given for playing a part in the leading others to Christ. The background for this passage is Acts 17, which tells the story of Paul and his companions arriving in the city of Thessalonica. Paul went into the synagogue and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. Some of his hearers were persuaded to follow Christ, including some Greek men and a number of prominent women. The gospel spread to their hearts and threw them to others. And the church was born in that city. Writing to them later in First Thessalonians 2, Paul said they would be in his crown of rejoicing when Christ returned. When this is something called the soul winner's crown, but I suspect it isn't just reserved for those who actually lead another person to Christ. I think it will be shared by all of those who play a role in bringing others to Christ. It's a team effort. Whenever I have the opportunity of leading others to receive Jesus as Savior, I must always find that someone else has already planted the seed of gospel in there. That's what I was just going to say, Kay. When we all plant small seeds in somebody's life, that is interesting. It is, isn't it? Yes, because 
It may not be your job to lead somebody to Christ, but to leave a small seed. They're watching you and they've learned from you or you've touched their life and you won't even know it half the time. Right. Okay. But you did because you've done a good job for God planting seeds. Because I think it's really important to be... In my younger days, I was really boisterous about that. I've offended so many people. For anybody who has a type A personality like me, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. It's just best to be calm, cool, and collect. It truly is. That's, like I said, my personality is very bold, as you can tell. I talk a lot louder than Kate does. We have to do it in a nice way yeah. and and right. not an imposing way right. or offensive way. Right. But sometimes back in the earlier days, you thought they need to hear this. But your the way you said it was wrong. The way I said it was wrong. I know that for a fact. But you can't say even if you think that you said it wrong, you probably still planted a seed. Okay. All right. I want to tell my side of the story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. I don't know about this. You go right ahead. (laughs) I witnessed many of these occasions and I can remember us going to restaurants. And I think one that pops up to my head most vividly is when we were going down to Kentucky to shop uh, with Diana for a wedding dress. And we stopped at a Bob Evans. And I can remember... Uh, Teresa getting our waiter's attention but I also remember her asking them often if there was anything that we could pray for them about okay and I was a pretty young uh, Christian at that time and I didn't really know how things were supposed to go but did I embarrass you by doing that I was not embarrassed oh okay yeah no 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 I think she thinks that she embarrassed Oh, well, not she didn't embarrass me, but I just think of those times and I think, I know myself, I was thinking, will I ever get to that point in my walk with Christ to be able to have the courage to talk to a waitress in a restaurant? And, and I have, Teresa. Sometimes you can just tell if a person is having a tough day, all right? Most of the time they are like really grateful that you noticed and that you're even asking, you know, I like to have fun um, mm-hmm. with the waitresses. I oh, do. yeah. I always like to know their names, you know, and then, and then when we, when I pray, you know, I pray for the waitress over our meal also. Okay, that's no, a so, terrific idea. Yeah. I forgot all about that, but that is an open door. If you want to talk to somebody about God, that's a perfect Way to say it. Is there anything I can pray f- uh, for you for? I learned that from someone wow. else. Wow. I mean, I learned a lot of that from you, though. I See, I even forgot about that. Yeah. So I, I had myself prepared most of the time that when I was going into the public with Teresa, <laughs> God was going to be talked about. But she doesn't realize the witness that that, that was to me. No. Because, because, it, because it was. It was a... It was a wonderful witness to me to be able to be that bold to to truly speak of God to people that you don't even know. You know, my other friend Diana, it embarrassed her. 
She wanted to crawl down and slide under the table. And I didn't mean to do that. That's like, she wasn't offended, but she was embarrassed because she thought, why is she talking about God? She wasn't a Christian then either. Right. Okay. Understand. She she didn't right. understand. And she's right. like, these people are going to think she's uh-huh. crazy. Just think about that now, though. She is a believer now. She is a believer now. So how, you know, you don't. And now she understands why I did it. Um, but back then, she did not right. understand it. But the thing is, you're only going to see that person one time. If God is telling you. She needs you to witness to what she yeah. needs something. And that's when you say, is there some, do you need prayer for anything? And that would make them cry, stop them in their tracks. Yeah. And you don't have to talk about God. All you do is you say that wait on their response. If they say, yes, I'm having a difficult time in my marriage then I would say, what is your name? You don't even have to tell me what it's about. I'm going to pray for you. If you can't pray right then and there and hold her hand, and a lot of times you can't because you have managers that are not Christians and she could lose her job. That's all you have to say and just call her by her name. Tell her God is working and this is why I'm asking you, he told me to do that when you feel god talking to you do it that's my suggestion (laughs) read that last paragraph again that's funny when was the last time you shared the gospel in some (laughs) form or fashion with another person whenever you do so the lord himself is fitting you for the crown of rejoicing we did not even know that was there no no we did not (laughs) oh my goodness thank you father thank you father i think i'm gonna have a lot of crowns my friends i do i do i do wow isn't that cool yeah Yeah. wow really good Mm. i planted apollos watered but god gave the increase read it again Kay. that last one when was the last time you shared the gospel in some form or fashion with another person? Whenever you do so, the Lord himself is fitting you for the crown of rejoicing. Wow. And so we all come together. We all have a part of planting the seeds. And just because one person leads them to Christ, there were many more before that planting all those seeds. Right. There was. So next week, we're going to talk about the crown of righteousness. And we want to thank you for stopping by. Yes. Have a great week. God bless you. 